when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath given to us the reconciliation. I say again, God has made it perfect. Now the result of it all, the result of it all, we're going to be presented before him. Those who accept this reconciliation, those who accept this peace, that's the believer, is going to stand before God wholly acceptable in his sight. Wonderful thing. Reconciliation experienced by the believer when he accepts the Savior. You can take all those passages. I would, if you want to follow through, by the way, those passages on peace, we have peace, peace. Man searches everywhere for peace. Nations are looking for peace. There's only one place you'll find real, genuine peace. That's in Christ. That's why our Savior, before he went to the cross, remember, in John 14, 27 and 28, when he said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our teacher is Dr. John G. Mitchell, and our conviction is that the Word of God has never changed and never will. The truth in God's Word was, is, and always will be true. God never changes. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. We continue this study of the spiritual life the believer in Christ with a short review of the scope of reconciliation revealed in the scriptures. Peace is one of the results of reconciliation. Remember Jesus said, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives do I give unto you. When one accepts Jesus Christ and his finished work on the cross by believing in Christ for his salvation, he receives God's peace. And in view of this, Dr. Mitchell shares our privilege and responsibility of being an ambassador for Christ, giving forth his message of reconciliation. An ambassador, you know, is always called home before a war begins in that country to which he is sent. Well, let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, as Dr. Mitchell explores the truths of reconciliation and our responsibility in view of it on the Unchanging Word Bible Broadcast. The scope of reconciliation, the heavens. Let me give you those. I want to give you one, two, three, four, five, five things, five people. The heavens are to be reconciled on the ground of the blood of Christ. Colossians 1:20 in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23, where the writer says the heavens are going to be reconciled better things by the blood of bulls and of goats, talking about the work of our Savior. And then the earth is to be reconciled. We had this here in Colossians. You have it also in Romans chapter 8, verses 19 to 23. And there you find where, you remember Paul says in verse 18, I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And he goes on to speak of the earth and the creature. 
They were made subject of vanity, but not willingly. And when God gets through with his program, the redemption of the race, the redemption of the church, pardon me, bring the church to himself, complete redemption, including the body. The earth is included. The creature is included. I don't want to go into that because we're going to prophesy like in, uh, in Isaiah, the lion shall lie down with the lamb, the bear shall play with the kid. Do you remember that? And the child will play with the viper. Nothing to hurt or to mar in all the holy mountain of God. The earth is going to be affected by this reconciliation. As one of the prophets says, the last chapter says that the, that the reaper shall over, the, the sower shall overtake the reaper. No more curse. No more weeds to pull out. I won't have a job anyhow on that day. <laughs> pulling out weeds. The earth is cursed for man's sake. May I just suggest something to you? Many, many years ago, I wouldn't dare tell you how many, before you were born. I, used to, I was ministering up in Saskatchewan, Canada. In 1918, that's when all the uh, homesteaders were up there. And when they came into a piece of property, they, gave them a, they were given a quarter section of and then they bought a preemption, what they call a preemption for $5 an acre. So they had half a section of, uh, of, of ground. And that was the old prairie wall. There were, there were no, no weeds. It was what they called prairie wall. Grass, very fine grass. And then they had to plow up 20 acres the first year. They were obligated to, to plant, I think, 20, either 20 or 40 acres. And would you believe it? By fall, when he came to, to harvest the crop, there'd be weeds. Where'd they come from? The ground is cursed for man's sake. But through the cross of Christ, our Lord's work at the cross will reconcile the world and the earth and the creature. You read that in Romans chapter 8, 19, down through verse about verse 23. If you want to follow it through, I don't want to follow any further into it to follow that. All right. And the world, is, we had that in uh, chapter 5 of 2 Corinthians 18 and 19. It's not universal salvation, but universal recognition. Philippians chapter 2. You know, when you come to chapter 2, the whole earth is going to be, the universe to be reconciled. Things in heaven, things on earth, and things under the earth. That's a uh, that's Philippians chapter 2, starting in about verse 6 on, where it speaks of the humiliation of our Savior. And then God exalted him above all things, and all are going to bow before him, things in heaven and earth and things under the earth. In Colossians 2, you don't have that. Colossians chapter 1, 20 and 20 to 22, you don't have under the earth. You've got the heavens and the earth and the believer. All right. And then you have Jew and Gentile reconciled through the cross. You find that in Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, starting about verse 14, running through 19. For he is our peace who hath made both one, Jew and Gentile, having broken down the middle wall of petition between them, that he might make them one. For we both, Jew and Gentile, have access unto God through Jesus Christ. Only place you find Jew and Gentile having a wonderful time is in Christ. Do you know that? 
It's an amazing thing. It's an amazing thing. The one place where you find a Jew and a Jander having a wonderful time is in Christ. He reconciled Jew and Gentile. And then the fifth one, of course, we've already mentioned concerning believers. And I think I would use that Corinthian passion, especially Romans chapter 5, verses 10 and 11. When we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath given to us the reconciliation. I say again, God has made it perfect. Now the result of it all, the result of it all, we're going to be presented before him. Those who accept this reconciliation, those who accept this peace, that's the believer, is going to stand before God wholly acceptable in his sight. Wonderful thing. Reconciliation experienced by the believer when he accepts the Savior. You can take all those passages. I would, if you want to follow through, by the way, those passages on peace, we have peace, peace. Man searches everywhere for peace. Nations are looking for peace. There's only one place you'll find real, genuine peace. That's in Christ. That's why our Savior, before he went to the cross, remember, in John 14, 27 and 28, when he said, My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You're worried because I'm leaving you. But if you only knew what was on the other side, you'd rejoice because I said, I go to my father and you see me no more. I'll take John chapter 16, the last two verses. Let me just give you a brief of it. In the world, you shall have tribulation, but in me, you'll have peace. Whatever happens in the world, you can enjoy peace. Or Philippians 4, 7, you remember, the peace of God which passeth all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. Peace. Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace. No longer enemies. No longer enemies. We've been reconciled. We've accepted that reconciliation. Hence, we have peace. I've been a pastor for a great many years. It's 37 years with this church. I've been with a lot of God's people when they've left this scene. And I've had them tell me, now, Brother Mitchell, please don't pray for me. I want to go home. You know, it's wonderful to have a home to go to. I don't know whether I ever told you or not about Dr. Sutcliffe, one of the founders of the school, Dr. Baby Sutcliffe, a great Bible teacher. We're very close friends. I married his wife, and then he... Afterwards, sometime afterwards, he took sick. And I'd be, the doctor called me up on Wednesday morning, I always remember, and he said, have you seen Dr. Sutliff lately? And I said, I saw him Monday and Tuesday. I'll see him tomorrow. He said, you better go today. I don't think he'll live the day out. So I just dropped everything I was doing, went to the hospital. I sat down, he put out his hand, I took hold of his hand. We chatted for a while. And all of a sudden, his head dropped. I thought he was gone. And what I'm wondering, shall I get a doctor, shall I get a nurse? All of a sudden, he shook like this. 
He looked at me and he said, is that you, Jack? I said, yes. My, oh, my, oh, my, I'm so disappointed, so disappointed. I thought I was going to see the Lord and all I saw was you. <laughs> and I said, bye. I would have been disappointed too. There's something about this, you know. Something about this thing. As I told you about a week ago yesterday with my friend, on my very last Friday, he looked at me, smiled at me, and he said, I said, I'm going to get ahead of you. <laughs> well, I said, go on up and get my place ready. Then help me on. Wonderful thing. Get peace. Peace. Whatever the score may be, whatever the experience, whatever the test, whatever the trial, we have peace. Why? We've been reconciled to God. I think I've said about enough on that. God's going to present us holy, unblameable, unreprovable in his son. Quoting, by the way, from Colossians chapter 1, that passage from Colossians. Now, just one more thing. What is our responsibility? Having accepted this reconciliation, we have peace with God. No longer a barrier between us and God. But I've got a responsibility now. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. For he hath made him, it's the foundation of it all, he hath made him who knew no sin. We might be made the righteousness of God in him. Or as the old lady used to quote it, he who knew no sin was made sin for me who knew no righteousness, that I who knew no righteousness might be made the righteousness of God in him. In him. God's ambassadors, don't you forget that, beseeching men. That's why we're still here. That's why you're here. If you love the Savior, you've got a job. You're down here as an ambassador for Christ. You know, if I could see, we sing it, is your name written down in heaven? Do you remember that? Huh? Well, supposing here's all your names. Here's your name. But well, there's a mark alongside of it. There's a bunch of other names. Then there's your name. And there's another one there. You go through a few more, and that's my name. Mark alongside the bottom of the page, what the mark means. Away on business. <laughs> well, uh, Philippians 3.20 says our citizenship was where? In heaven. From whence also we look for the Savior. So if I belong to heaven, what in the world am I doing down here? I'm his representative. I'm an ambassador. Beseeching men to be reconciled to God. You know, an ambassador never works when he's home. It's always in another country. He's representing his country in another land. And before war can take place, the ambassador takes the, the word from his government and hands it over to the other government, declaring war. Then he goes home. One of these days, God's going to declare war upon this world because of its corruption, its sinfulness. Before he does that, he's got to call what? Every ambassador home. I suppose you want a scripture for that, don't you? Well, I would suggest uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, 
verses 10 to 11, the last two verses. How you turn to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, who hath delivered us from the wrath to come. Thessalonians 5, 9. God hath not appointed us unto wrath, but to obtain deliverance through our Lord Jesus Christ. But today, the wrath of God, the judgment of God is not falling upon men. Peace has been made. Reconciliation. He's made peace. To be effective, you must accept that peace. And having accepted that peace, experiencing forgiveness, experiencing relationship with the living God, experiencing that peace which passeth all understanding, now I've got a job to represent my Savior to men. I don't know why God's going to put you young people. Each one of us are very special to God. Remember that. As 1 Corinthians 12, 27 declares, you know, we are members one of another, but members in particular, you're very special to God. And he's gifted every one of you different. You've got a different personality. Don't try and be like the other fellow. You can't imitate spiritual gifts, but he's got a job for you to do. And the main job is what? By your life, by the way you live, by your testimony, you're beseeching men to be reconciled to God that they may enjoy that peace. All right? That's all I'm going to say about reconciliation. And third one is propitiation. P-R-O-P-I-T-I-A-T-I-O-N. Have you got it? Propitiation. <laughs> Will you turn with me, please, to the book of Romans, chapter 3. Here you have the the special verse, I'm going to give you this. This is the heart of the gospel. Propitiation has to do what God has in Christ at the cross. That's the most important thing. What does God have in the cross? Romans chapter 3. Let me read, open your Bibles and turn with me. I want you to turn to two passages. Romans chapter 3 and 1 John chapter 2. First John chapter 2. I um, want to take the time to do this. Sometimes I think I quote too many scriptures. You forget them. See them in your own Bible. Do you read your Bible every day? Huh? Yes. That's three of you. Do you read your Bible every day? Yes. All right. You don't have to shout at me like that. All right, Romans 3, verse 26. Oh, pardon me, verse 25. Let me get my eyes right on this thing. 25. Whom God hath set forth, speaking of our Savior, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, not yours, you don't have any, his righteousness, that he might be just, that he might be righteous, and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. God set forth our Savior to be a propitiation, 1 John chapter 2, the first two verses. My little children, these things write I unto you that you sin not. 
If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. I think possibly what we need to realize is this. And I say this very kindly because I'm troubled about it. How much do you know personally of God? Did you ever see him in the scriptures in his absolute holiness, absolute righteousness? How can man come, ever come in the presence of God? He looks upon man's goodness and said, your righteousness is in my sight as filthy rags. Can you bring a clean thing out of an unclean? Try to multiply the scriptures, man's condition. We've already had that. How can a holy, righteous God look down upon you and me and do anything for us? How can he get rid of these? How can a holy God get rid of our sins? How can he manifest grace to us? How can he reconcile us? How can he be satisfied? How can he reach us with sin between? And he's an absolutely holy, righteous God. So the third work we have of our Savior is not only redemption having to do with sin, not only reconciliation with the world, but now the most important thing is what God has at the cross. It is not that Christ died to secure man's righteousness. Man thinks he has some. Oftentimes people say, well, Mitch, I'm as good as you are. Well, that's okay. I generally say, is that what you're going to tell God, eh? I'll tell you this, when a man says, Mitchell, God will never cast me out. I'll say, brother, when you get one glimpse of God, you'll be glad to get out of his presence. When you see him in his holiness, in his absolute righteousness, how can a man stand? When Jesus Christ died on the cross, the most important thing he did was to satisfy, to vindicate the holy, righteous character of God. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art.
my God, how great Thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to Thee. How great Thou art, how great Thou art. Dr. Mitchell prayed for the prayer requests of his radio listeners, and the unchanging word is committed to continue praying for our listeners. We have a group of volunteers that will bring your prayer requests before the Lord. You may write to us with your comments and your prayer requests to the unchanging word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. That's the unchanging word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. The unchanging word. And so until next time, this is the Unchanging Word radio broadcast. Life begins at Calvary.